Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. LR here with Benji, presented by Zwift. As always, the pod throughout the off-season, it's Zwift season. I'll tell you about my Zwift goals in a second, but this is the Giro d'Italia 2023 Root Reaction podcast. A little bit tardy with it because, well, I had to fly back from Australia to Andorra. And just like when I first did that trip, landed, did a Giro reaction to a stage, we're going to do another Giro reaction <laughs> straight off the plane. So 35 hours of traveling, probably not the sharpest, coffee in hand, but I'm G'd up for this route because it's a nice. It's a nice route, Benji. I was pleasantly surprised. I think so as well. There's a nice balance between the features that we like in a Grand Tour. We like seeing quite a bit of time trial kilometers and then quite a bit of climbing kilometers to even that out across the spectrum. And I think this Grand Tour definitely has that. We see in total that this Grand Tour takes on a Grande da Partenza in central Italy. So we're starting off at the center in Italy this time. Last year we had the Hungary start, so... We're going back home to Italy for the Giro d'Italia. So I do enjoy that personally. And it kind of stays in central Italy for quite a bit in the first week to then venture over towards the Swiss Alps a bit in the second week, going towards the Dolomite climbs in Italy in the third week. So that's the idea I have of this parkour basically when I see it the first time around. No Sicily, no Sardinia. Do you think they'll be happy about it? I The first thing I noticed about this route is I feel like RCS have listened to some complaints about long-ass transfers, and the transfers look really, really good if you're a rider. Look, like some of them are starting in the same town, like the Swiss one finishes in the Swiss town and then starts the next day in the same town, um, and others are just nearby. So the transfers seem really low, and Switzerland's the only place they're going to yet. Um, And... Otherwise, the big mountains are back. We had almost the RCS, I felt last year, almost afraid to put in some proper mountain stages because of the camera broadcasting issues. I think they've changed broadcaster, host broadcaster, yes. or whoever's doing the feed. So maybe they're like, let we're back. There's some decent time trial kilometers. I think it's nice. I think it's pretty good. It's got some iconic historical climbs. Um but first, maybe what movies did I watch? Guess what movie I watched on the on the flight? I don't know. Were you watching like old races or actual movies? Because I would have been watching like old races to prepare to prepare for this podcast, man. Come on, man! I'm not a professional. <laughs> I'll do that for the tour for work, but no. <laughs> um, well, speaking of watching, I was watching The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. Spoilers alert! And it made me realize how like crazy and delusional sometimes my self-confidence is because he was getting mauled by the bear and I was like you know if I'd had that gun (laughs) I would have just shot it first time he wouldn't have come back second and I was like what the fuck are you what are you thinking (laughs) like you probably I probably 
I'm scared to go. I see a fox up here behind my house and the big foxes in the door. I get scared. And then I was like, is Leonardo DiCaprio's guttural screams, you know, when he's injured, he's kind of just going, is that what shampoo sound sounds like? <laughs> so maybe I modeled it after DiCaprio in The Revenant where he got the best, uh, you know, best actor award of the Oscars for just going, for like four hours. Anyway, Jira Root. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell Benji I was going to go on that tangent before Andy's being completely thrown. Um, stage one in Fossa Chairs. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're going to go through every stage. Uh, we don't know who's going to the Giro exactly. So we're not going to hum and hara about who's going to win each stage, like a Grand Tour preview. We'll say which type of rider might, you know, it be suited towards. Uh, there's no one really. Thomas, Avonapol, Van Aert, Pagatcha, Vingegaard, none of these guys are confirmed for the Giro. There's really no one. I assume Landa will do it, That's but no one really knows. So we're doing it uh, agnostic as to which riders might be going. But stage one, Fossa Cesia Marina to Ortona. This is just uh, an opening TT that's not a prologue with a 1.2K, 5.2% finish. This is basically the Hungary TT, isn't it, Benji? Although... It, if I had to guess, this looks significantly less technical. Yeah, I would argue as well. It's definitely t- less technical, this route. It's double the length, as you mentioned, but it's basically a straight line across the Ciclovia del Trabocchi cycle path along the Adriatic coast, if my mind serves me right. So it's just next to the ocean the entire way. It's a straight line for most of it, except for like at the start and at the finish line. So not technical at all is what I see when I uh, look at this park. Or I'm always curious when I see a, a time trial in the Giro where we've got a climbing area in it because sometimes on this parkour they actually give like a KOM jersey to who does the climb the fastest. So I wonder if they're going to do that on the final climb at the end of this time trial. But that being said... They will. They will? Rick Zabel. That's why Israel re-signed Rick Zabel, right? Because it can't have been the lead outs. <laughs> So it's going, it's going for the KOM at Giro Stage 1 again, 5%, 1,200-meter climb. Possibly. Now, when I look at this parkour, like, it's 18.4 kilometers, which is still significant. Like, this is where there can be differences already between the GC riders that are known to be better time trialists, like an Avenipool, for example, and the Landas of the world who don't have that time trial expertise. So what gap are we looking at? Like 132 minutes, or do you think that's too much? How much did Lander lose in the Bologna TT back in the day? It was so much. He properly bottled it. You can lose a minute easy for someone like Enric Maas. He won't do the Giro, but like a not a good time trialist, but he's a professional bike rider. A minute to Avonapol minimum you're sort of looking at. Um, but this is reason one why Van Aert... We'll be looking at this Giro. Malia Rosa, straight line TT on offer even if Ghana goes the climb at the end is five seconds seven seconds in the pocket of Van Aert so Avonapol I I know of course like Avonapol is the threat but yeah it's it's a big incentive one would think I would argue that's a, a possibility for a Wout Van Aert to see this parkour but we can discuss throughout what stages can actually fit him and so forth and then at the end give a conclusion on whether he should actually take a look at this parkour and say okay maybe I should go to the Giro d'Italia but that's basically all I can say about this initial time trial it's not that technical it's pretty long for an initial time trial and there will be differences in GC already 
after this one and a KOM jersey. So let's look forward to that. Second stage is a sprint stage in my eyes. We've got 204 kilometers, some hills in there at the start and in the middle, but in the end, the last like 60, 70, 80 kilometers is basically flat. So we've got a break up ahead and then we see that there's a sprint winning. And that's exactly what I expect on a stage like this. It's also not the versatile sprint stage. So I think this is the sprint where, let's say, a Tim Merlier goes to the Giro with quick step. This is the kind of stage where he can still compete for the victory now. 100% sprint stage. Um, the last proper climb is 5%. It's 70Ks from the finish. It's a sprint stage. I <laughs> Maybe the breakaway, if there's a Fred Wright sort of character in it with some strong riders, they can make it interesting um, because, you know, they they can make these sort of stages interesting. But, yeah, sprint stage. Damar type guys will be licking their lips at this sort of stage. And Wout van Aert indeed take bonus seconds and points if he would do it. So, yeah, basic sprint. Uh, the next stage... From Vasto to Melfi is doesn't have that much climbing in it. In fact, it has less climbing than the sprint stage before it, but all the climbing is pretty much at the end. A 6K, 6.5% climb, then a 3K, 6% climb. There's a short descent of a couple of kilometers between them. They start with 180Ks to go, long stages, 210Ks, then there's a descent, quite technical from what I can see, into Melfi in central southern Italy. And yeah, like it's zigzaggy. I don't think it's that steep. And then there's a little kick up again into Melfi and then a flat-ish finish. They turn right and go into town. This is the... I don't even know if this is a Mads... I think this is a Mads Pedersen sort of sprint because it crests the proper climb 22 kilometers from the finish. This is where you, if you have a versatile sprinter, try and drop a Demar, a Tim Merlier. I mean, don't try it. You will drop them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they will be dropped on this. And you, and if this stage, play, stage played out normally, you'd then see a sprint with the versatile sprinters doing it. Even Gavira, I think, could get over this, to be honest, actually, with motivation. The question I have, Benji, is this is the last stage before the first Oh, no, there's no transition day. I'm so used to Grand Tours having a transition day after stage three because the international starts. GC, Amy Nepal, anyone try or break? Like, this is a technical run-in. Is this a sort of Roglic member in the Vuelta with that climb on stage three or whatever when he attacked and, you know, won the stage? Good Amy Nepal. I don't think Amy Nepal would, but do you see any GC here? I think it's early in the Grand Tour for this to happen and there's stuff in the first week that still needs to occur afterwards. So I'm leaning more towards that not happening because we come to those climbs also with a large peloton with riders that will be in support of their sprint riders trying to control everything. So I see more of a possibility where a breakaway might have been off the leash too much a bit by the peloton and they don't catch them by the bottom of the climb and then they're trying to catch them as fast as possible on the climb to make sure that they caught them at the top. Because if they don't catch them at the top, it's basically descending until the last five kilometers. So you got to catch a break before the top of this climb. But GC action, I don't see it on stage three. But hey, it's I welcome. I think Wout wins solo. <laughs> Calais style? Yeah. I think it attacks the short little um, 3K, 6% climb and then it's gone. <laughs> Do you not like... Because he's won in Calais, for example, 
He also has one reduced Prinza like the Dauphiné in 2022. You instantly think about attacking that climb and not necessarily trying to win the reduced sprint. Is it because you don't trust him against Peterson? I just think if Ed- Peterson, a Philipson, a Gaviria, a Binium are there, none of those guys go with him if he attacks on that. None of them. It's not possible. So the only question is then, even if Paul marks you, well, who cares? Maybe even a pool, I don't know, in a sprint. But <laughs> I think it's like almost a sure thing if you go on the climb. Uh, MVDP is the big wild card because he can do both. And if it's MVDP, no versatile sprinters, I'd go for the bunch sprint because then MVDP won't contest it. <laughs> um, so it, it changes. <laughs> it depends on exactly who's there. But I do think people might not be too shy about trying. But before we get to stage four, uh, Benji's got that one prepped i wanted to mention i already teased it my zwift plan so i've come back to andorra solo just me and toby in the mountains <laughs> i'll be going back to australia for the tour down under for business later next year but because the tour down under is coming up i need to get in good shape uh, i want to be riding with people catching back up with old friends from back in the day and zwift with the leaves brown the weather uh, getting pretty cool where i'm living right now swift is the perfect platform for me to do that go and follow me and benji on swift i am doing swift every day one hour a day until december 1st except for the day i'm going to paris for the route reveal the tour france route reveal i believe benji's going as well each day i don't do that go and follow me on swift send me uh abuse uh, maybe Swift don't want me <laughs> telling people to abuse me on on Swift. Uh, send me encouragement, remi- reminding me, <laughs> LR, you said you do an hour a day on Swift. Now, I'm keen to do it. I, I, I can't wait to see the progress. I didn't have the trainer in Australia, so I was just planning this, plotting this scheme on Swift. So follow along. Follow me on Swift. Follow Benji as well while, we, uh, while I get in shape for Christmas and the Tour Down Under because it's summer in Australia there. Um, but, yeah, any any plans with you on Swift, Benji? Obviously, don't send Benji abuse. Yeah, just yeah. send it to me. I've got to clarify that. Yeah, exactly. Send it just to him, for example. But I'm also waiting for a trainer to arrive here in the UK, so that's kind of my take here. But the second it arrives, I'm going to be back in action on it, and hopefully I can start uh, prepping some volcano climbs and leading up towards my first, first attempt at I'll do Zwift, which I honestly will live stream. So if you're hyped about that idea, then look forward to that at some point in the future. But back to stage four now. Let's get into actual Giro talk again. Venosa to Lago Leseno. We've got a stage that is... It reminds me of that stage of the Giro 2021, where Almeida had his bad day in week one, for example. And the way I look at it is, it's a parkour that is... Quite climby, 184 kilometers with three climbs in it, but the first two of those climbs are basically roughly in the middle of the race. The Paso del Crocele, 13.5k at 4.3%, not steep at all. It's like average gradient, 4% is nothing to be shouted at. Then Valico di Monte Caruoso is the next climb, also in the middle of that stage, which is 8 kilometers at 5.3%, also again, not a steep climb. The action when it comes to a potential GC battle will come on the Colle Molella, which is the uh, final climb, which stops four kilometers from the finish line. So that's intriguing. And that climb, the last 4.4 kilometers are 8.8% average, leading up to a solid 10% in places. So 
that's a really steep one. I will say, with the hills at the start in this stage, I see opportunities for a stronger breakaway to be up the road and win the stage. But I do believe GC action is happening. And I'd go as far as saying that one of the GC candidates, like a top five, top seven favorite, will be on three, four minutes after this, after a bad day. No? I agree. 4,000 meters of climbing in 185Ks, it is, you look at this profile, there's no flat at all. It's from the start, up and down, that's what Benji said. You'd expect a strong break with a Morich, Tratnik, Sanchez, I'll just list the entire Bahrain squad, um, Soler, for example, if he did the Giro, you could have a really, really strong break. And so that raises the question of who is going to want to bring it back. Because yes, someone might lose three minutes, but which team would plan something for this stage? We had Egan Bernal on Roca del Cambio. Stage 9, Giro 21 was sort of medium mountain, bad conditions. That was a gravel finish and it was an uphill finish, not 4K flat after. Ineos had a plan there to make the race hard. I would say there's a big gap between the second last major climb and the final climb, although it is up and down. Um, I mean, if I was quick step and, and Remco was going, I would go full gas, get a satellite rider in this stage and really try and blow it apart on the like <laughs> on the second last climb. I don't care that it's 5%. I would try something. It's so um, far, though. It's so far. It's, I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you just try the last climb. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like everyone will wait for the last climb and then it depends on who goes. Like, will Ineos, if Thomas goes, will they try something? I think if I'm UAE, I try win it with Ayuso. I think Ayuso can win a reduced group, group sprint of the type of guys. So Ayuso is a big candidate for this stage. Um, do I think there'll be big gaps between the main contenders? No, but as many said, some might lose out. Anyway, stage five is the next should be a sprint stage 172 k's long i will say though this might be trickier than it looks compared to stage three 2500 meters climbing in 172 k's yes the finish is pancake flat but the question is for the last 40 kilometers the question is how will the pure sprinters fare in the first sort of third of this stage all of that climbing is in the first half or two-thirds of this stage and there's a 4k 7.6 percent climb at start so will there be there can be a really strong break again tratnik uh <laughs> i gotta f- figure out some other ruler breakaway guys but from fred right <laughs> tratnik i'm just gonna keep saying for I really, I, no i had someone that's not on bahrain victorious <laughs> i need to um who rides a bike? <laughs> that I mean? <laughs> Man. Nah. Uh, yeah. Um, Omar Freire. <laughs> Luis Leon Sanchez. <laughs> I don't know. There's going to be some sort of decent Sanchez break. Sanchez on my name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's because they're winning this stage, bruh. Um, <laughs> Fred Wright finally gets one done. I, I think this is going to be trickier than it looks, unless well, it goes, in which case Yama Visma shut it down and, it's going to be a reduced group sprint or Pedersen or whatever. But if it's if it's not those guys, if it's just Arno Demar and FDJ chasing, I think this is a little bit trickier than it looks, actually, from what I've seen. Because that last climb, Benji, they have to go slow. 3K is 8%, the last one. And the break can take another 30 seconds back, like we saw on the Vuelta. 
Yeah, it's true. And I think it goes throughout this entire stage. And there's another stage much like this later in the year. We'll talk about it pretty soon on stage 10, I think. That is basically a copy-paste. So these stages are, in my opinion, sprint, breakaway battles throughout the stage. And then whoever survives in the sprint, well, like the versatile sprinters that are left over in the peloton versus the breakaway, whoever that um, is, if they're able to catch the breakaway, then the sprint is what is decided otherwise the breakaway wins so it's it's 50 50 for me when i look at this parkour but it's not 50 50 on the next stage despite also being quite climby in the middle there napoli to napoli we saw a napoli stage i think in the giro 2022 where i think we had binyam versus vanderpool in the breakaway or was that not that one yeah binyam sold the break and the hand one <laughs> sold the break. okay i'll he take did. it one 155 kilometers <laughs> and here we've got basically only two climbs in it two proper climbs one like 40k in the stage and one halfway the stage and then it's like a good 60 kilometers after the last uh climb which is not a steep climb by the way like four percent average it's basically flat until the finish after that so to me this is a a dead set sprint stage and i don't see a breakaway winning the stage until unless like the breakaway miscalculates in some shape or form what's your take I think so. Demar, got to remember this guy made it over the Chipressa with a group of 15 this year in Atlanta San Remo. So if he's in decent condition and Philipson, they, of course, have no problem getting around this. Jakobsen, Gronovec, and Merlier. Depends if someone really wants to take it up on that first climb. Uh, 10.5K, 6%. I've seen them dropped on easier climbs than that, but they got the team to bring it back. So it really depends. Again, Wout van Aert suits him. Ewan will lotto. Like, are you seeing much for Ewan here, Benji? Or I don't know. These are the sort of stages where he didn't do too well this year where he really should be getting over them. So I, I agree, though. I think this is a, this should be a sprint stage uh, for the... For everybody, it's in decent shape. The next stage, stage, uh, what are we up to? Stage seven is kind of a, I think it promises more than it will offer. 220Ks, that's a long, <laughs> that's a lot of uh, riding. 4,200 meters climbing. Oh, there's two competing arguments here. Flat start, 60Ks in a climbing high mountain stage. So one would think maybe a strong climbing break doesn't go. The first climb is 15Ks, 5%, and then the descent, false plateau, then 7Ks, 6%, then another little plateau at about 1,200 metres, then descent. Then they finish at Gran Sasso d'Italia Campo Imperatore at, is this good altitude? No, not really. Two, oh, 2,100, not bad. It's a stepped climb. That's problem number one, 14K, 6%. Then there's, I think, 9Ks at 4%, including descents. Then there's literally like a flat rolling plateau. And then the last ramp is 6K, 7%. I think this is going to be a group sprint. I think this could even be a breakaway, Benji, because like, I just don't see gaps here. It's just not steep enough. There's too many rest periods during the climb. It's the first week. I just don't see it. I, I think either break or a group sprint. I mean, if Blockhouse was still a group sprint, then this is going to be a group sprint. 
I think so as well. It's more likely to be a, a group fighting for it at the top. There can be a rider that sticks out a tiny bit more than the others on a day like this, but the gaps will definitely not be impressive. I think this is a copy-paste of a stage in the Giro 2018, stage 9, won by Simon Yates. There were 11 riders in the top uh yeah, and in the like 30 seconds. So the gaps were not significant that day either. It was the, the day where Froome lost like a minute 07 because he had a very bad day. So you can have bad days, but the ones that have decent days will not be losing more than a 10, 20, 30 seconds on a finish like this. Now, the aspect of that very long climb, like if you combine all the climbs at the like in the last 45 kilometers, you have a 40 kilometer climb basically in the last 40 kilometers. But the middle part of that between the Colasio climb and the Campo Imperatore climb is falls flat. Sometimes goes goes up to like five percent, but in general, the factor here is that you sometimes see GC teams on parts of a climb that are not that steep, kind of pacing backwards. And I see potential for that to happen on a parkour like this. It is possible that a team takes over at the bottom of the Colasio climb and smashes it to the top, but. I don't see that happening necessarily. I agree that the, this is not the stage where you win the Giro d'Italia. As simple as that. And there's plenty of other stages that will come where those gaps will occur. So that's basically all I can say about this uh, stage, to be honest. It kind of reminds me of Campo Felice without the gravel. No? Um, oh, a little bit harder. Quite a bit longer. Uh, but I sort of agree with the dynamic. Maybe it, it will be a smaller group in the last climb. I think UA should try to win the stage with Ayuso again because six <laughs> k seven percent punchy finish. Avonapol can win the stage. Thomas can even win the stage. Um, does Wout get dropped on this climb? Like it depends. Like if he goes to this Grand Tour with any thought for GC and so forth, we'll we'll probably see that in the preparation towards this Giro. I think that if I look at the later parts of this Giro, that um, GC is not necessarily what I would be pointing at for Van Aert. <laughs> if, if he gets dropped on this climb, then GC. <laughs> I know GC. <laughs> the future climbs coming up. I don't yeah. see him riding for GC at this Giro. Classics beforehand, it's close to the Giro. Combining both peaking at the Classics and potentially at the Giro. If he does go to the Giro, then I see him skipping out on trying to win a stage like this. I have a different view. I think you should do the Giro and go for GC. Um, I think the field could be really, really weak. I think if he just rides in terrain, tempo style, he's got to lose. He'll have to lose in weight, the obviously. In the rain. I think the rain helps him, actually. <laughs> the rain reduces everyone's watts except Pagatch's, and I think he's, uh, he's a bigger guy, a little bit less effective. Paranese Stage 8, for example, he's not going to win. Could he come top five? Could he win the points jersey? Could he win a lot of stages? Yes. I think it's – I think why not have a crack? Um, okay. I, I'll that's take my it. view on it. You're allowed to have that take. <laughs> then need to Fossombrone, stage eight. And this is a stage that – I don't know. It's a hilly parkour, but at the start of this stage, it's basically a, a stage of 207 kilometers long. So the, the longer hilly stage you often have in the Giro d'Italia, but nothing like a 240-kilometer stage that we sometimes had in the Giro. A hill at the start of the range, which means that there's possibility for a punchy break forming on that. If it's not formed at the top of that climb, then we might see some rollers joining that afterwards. But then it's basically somewhat flat until we get to the last 
55 kilometers with four climbs in there. We've got the Icapuccini climb, 1.9 kilometers, 10.7%. So that's a really punchy climb. That's for the punchers. We've got a bigger climb just after that. That's a Monte della Cesane. That is 7.1%, 7.1 kilometers. And then it's kind of downhill until we get onto a smaller climb, the Monte Felcino, 0.8 kilometers, 10.9%. But once you top that, it's still like 15 kilometers to go, 20 kilometers to go. And there's only one climb left that is like a good five kilometers from the line. Once again, that Icapuccini climb, once again, that 1.9 kilometers at 10.7%. So in all honesty, this is a, a breakaway stage, but I do think that last hill could spark one or two GC riders trying something, no? Ah, uh, this reminds me of the Betiol stage. Oh, uh, not that one. Yeah, against Campanarts. That was not a good cheer. <laughs> was it? Um, yeah, it reminds me of the Napoli stage with Binium, MVDP, and Hent. I think it's going to be that sort of group. 15 minimum. Uh, get your money on Gaburo from Bardiani if they're still invited. Man's actually pretty good. <laughs> Um, there's two other riders, Jan Tratnik and, and Fred Wright. You might have heard of them. Suits them, suits them this stage. Actually, Tratnik doesn't count as Bahrain because he's only Yama Visma, so I just realized that. I'll take a t- bit of time to adjust. Uh, MVDP, Cohen Bowman, Wout Van Aert, if he's lost 10 minutes, yeah, break sort of stage. Um, and I think people will try and go on that climb. And I think I think Bediol really got to target something like this like you can target these stages so many months out whereas i know for a fact some riders literally they turn to the ground tour and they pick it up they look the morning of the stage like oh this one looks all right might get the break test like you always could have gone <laughs> it's always going to be a break <laughs> stage anyway stage nine they look like they're doing some sort of industrial estate time trial. Absolutely love to see it. Pancake flat, 34 kilometers, 52 meters elevation. That's it. 52 meters in 34 kilometers, three intermediate time checks. It's finished. It goes from Savignano Sul Rubicones, which... Uh, we're still on the east coast of Italy to Cessna Techno Gym Village, it says. So <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Techno Gym Village. Um, this has to be the big carrot for Avonapol, right? And Thomas to do the Giro at this stage because you can make some proper gaps on this. Yeah, but not only this stage, it's a combination with that first time trial as well that equals a total of over 50 kilometers of time trial already in the first nine days. And we don't even have the last time trial included in that that also follows in the last week. So this is this is Remco territory to gain time. This is Thomas territory to gain time in GC. Dana, and if you I believe in... Existed. Okay, and if you believe in Wout van Aert GC, then this is Wout van Aert territory to gain time before he slumbers off the back in the mountains, for example. But this is two, three minutes, this single time trial for those GC riders that have the time trial capabilities over the ones that don't. And add that to the time that is already gained in that initial time trial. We're looking at four or five minutes on the likes of a, a land already after the stage in GC. And... If that is the case, should Landa even remotely care about this Giro? If I'm him, yeah. then I'm then I'm yeah. looking at the Tour de France parkour and comparing at least. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't know what it is. Still, those big climbing stages could be raining. Technical descents. I think, he's, and the, the level's a bit lower in the Giro. He podiumed it. 
I still think this is tough though. First week, he's going to lose a lot of time <laughs> if Avon Hall or Thomas or even Almeida or you say, going to lose a lot of time. Like, Mikel, it's not too late. Like, get on the TT bike now. Um, save yourself some heartache in the mountains later. Gunner, I've we've not mentioned. He's going to do the Giro, surely. Opening time trial in Italy. It suits Worlds because uh, Worlds is earlier and he's got a 34-kilometer flat time trial. What about Stefan Kuhn? Why doesn't he change it up, Benji? I know he's chasing Tour de France stage wins, but why doesn't he change it up and go to the Giro? He might this time around, but we got to keep in mind that Stefan Kung, just like a wild fanat, is trying to first of all do one of the classics. Then the Giro is considered close to that. So can he peak again for that? On paper, the parkour fits him. And it would be a good combination of Giro with that World Championships time trial. For Ghana, like you said, it's a perfect combination because not only does he have the ITT at the World Championships, but also the track and so forth that is at the same time in Glasgow between the Tour and the Vuelta. So it's intriguing, the calendar of 2020. Three. I always always get the, the years wrong. <laughs> but anyway, stage 10 is basically that copy-paste stage that I told you about a bit earlier of stage 5. We've got Scandiano to Viareggio, 189 kilometers, and it has 3,000 altitude meters in a sprint stage, all of which in the first half of the stage. So the first half is really difficult, which could cause the race to be very difficult to control for sprinters' teams and to survive even for actual pure sprinters. But it's the same story with stage five, but I'd argue that this is a harder stage than that fifth stage that we said that the sprinters would already be in trouble in, right? Because like, which sprinters can get over 3,000 altitude meters in the first half? And how hard do you think the peloton will ride to drop those pure sprinters in that first half? It's in 80 kilometers. <laughs> 3,000 meters in 80 kilometers. They go uphill from the start for 80 kilometers I think if you're if you're Jumbo Visma, you, you try OTL Jakobsen here or Melia. You, 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 well, that's the thing, right? Um, you don't do that because it's a waste of energy. No one ever does that. They will drop the pure sprinters if Pedersen gets over this, if Wapenai gets over this, if I don't know, pick a versatile sprinter. And once they're, once they're at four minutes, you ease up you, five minutes. You don't keep going to keep put the gap at 15 minutes. Um, that being said, it's it looking pretty good for a breakaway too. Like a break, there could be just attacks over and over again from proper climbers on this, like a Solaire uh, type rider. And I think UAE will be going for a lot of stage wins in the Giro or Kofi or Betiol. I don't know. I think... This has to be. Do you think this is a sprint? Like, is this not too hard for Pedersen even or or Philipson if there's loads of attacks? Like, if MVDP, right, he would just get in the break on this stage. He wouldn't try and control or have his team control anything. I think it's a 50 50 once again. I think it's a 50 50 between the breakaway winning and the peloton winning. I, um, it all depends on how fast the peloton needs to ride on the climbs to keep the breakaway attacks in check on the climbs. And if that breakaway attempts are not too insane, then you can ride a tempo where you can keep the break on two, three minutes. And if they don't keep on trying to extend the gap on the climbs, then it's possible that you don't have a crazy tempo for the Peterson and you might survive this relatively doably. So I'm more leaning towards a sprint on this one than a breakaway. Personally, I'd say 55, 45% for the sprint. And, I um, think 80, 20 break. 
oh, okay, we'll see in a year. Is it? In, yeah, yeah. It, it depends who goes. Because if it's just Damar there, <laughs> the break is going to win because uh, the attackers will get 10 minutes on the climb. The next stage, I think, is more likely to be a sprint. Is three climbs in it. Yes, there's still 2,500 metres climbing, but it's evened out over 220 k's. The, it's from Camiore to Tortona. We're now on the west coast of Italy going up to... Uh, where are we? We're to the west of Piacenza going up from... Oh, this is past the... Um, what's the place where people go take photos on the coast um, on Instagram? This- anyway... Goes There's past tons there. of places by the coast that people no, no, the, um, Oh, fuck. I was forced to go there when I was on exchange. It was terrible. Well, no, it wasn't terrible. It was nice. It was just very, very busy this summer. I've obviously suppressed it into the dark cornices of my mind and forgot my school. Um, it'll come back to me. Anyway, three three climbs. The last one's 50K from the finish. It's 5Ks, 4.5%. I think this is a sprint stage. I think people like Damara aren't nearly getting dropped on this. And to be honest, Gronavegan isn't either. It's a sprint stage. I don't have much more to say on it. Yeah, I think so as well. It's simple as that. It's a sprint stage. Sprint is happening. Nothing more than that. But once again, it's a long stage, a 220 kilometers. But hey, we'll live with it. Nonetheless, we go to Bra to Rivoli in the next stage, stage 12 of this Giro d'Italia. This is again a stage where it could go either way, but I'm more leaning towards a breakaway than a sprint stage on this one. 178 kilometers. There's one major climb in it or medium climb in it let's say in the last 50 kilometers the colibrida it's a climb of 10.8 kilometers at 5.8 percent so it's not easy but it's also not 10 percent, so it's not super steep either i'd argue that the last half of this climb is much harder than the first half because we go up to like 11 percent in the last four kilometers of this climb but there's still 18 kilometers of flatness to go after the climb so i would lean more towards a breakaway than a peloton on this stage or do you think that this is a stage where Peterson could still survive that climb. Uh, he really shouldn't. Like, if you're an attacker, attack, attacker, new word. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you're if you someone like a Betty old type rider or even, I don't know, Covey or Soler, you, you can't be letting Peterson get, get away with this sort of climb. I don't know, he's climbing, it was really good this year, but you see those gradients of 11%. Last 5Ks, 8%. You want to try him. Um, now, is it better to be up the road before? You've got to remember the stage starts. 6K is a 1K, 6.2% climb straight out the gate, then a 6K, 5% climb in the first 14Ks. You can get a strong break formed on this. So, I don't know. I think I think this it's going to be finely balanced. I think an attack goes and sticks on that last climb actually is what i think will happen but i don't think it'll be gc i think it'll be like catalonia vine uh, stage one fine ah yeah he might be doing the giro he should do the giro yeah because he attacked on that you remember that vuelta stage when he attacked with chicone and bardet and if they could pull on the flat he would have won already and then he would have probably got a anyway we don't need to go into the the j vine (laughs) my me rehashing his whole career again um but yeah i think it's probably not going to be the most exciting gc stage we haven't to be honest benji apart from the time trials really said this is going to be big gc this is going to be big gc well now i am we've gone up 
past Turin. We're now going into the Gran Paradiso National Park through there, through Aosta. They have gone, they usually go up to this sort of region, they occasionally do. They, we're going to cross into Switzerland. 207 Ks, first climb, the Col de Grand Saint Bernard, Bernard, sorry. It's a big one. Uh, 34 Ks at 5.5% from, I think we started, it starts at like 550 meters, goes to 2,470. That's ridiculous. Now, if this is rainy, the race or cold, the race could already explode on there. Um, it then has a descent straight into the Col du uh, Creux, which is the mountain of heart. Uh, Crudecur, sorry. Crudecur, Jesus. Do I have to do them in Italian or French? Because we're now in Switzerland. I, I don't know. Are we in the French Croce Switzerland or Ita- Italian Switzerland? Is that something like that? Croce del Core? I just invented that we're in calling my head. Heart so. climb. Heart climb, 15.5Ks, <laughs> 8.6%. 15.5Ks, 8 point six percent to two thousand one hundred and seventy meters after a thirty four k climb at five and a half percent the last ten k's of which are at seven percent to two thousand four hundred and seventy meters this is already an extremely hard stage this is already one of the hardest stages we've seen in the Grand Tour for a long time but it's not finished yet instead they descend and instead of cruelly going into Martigny which is near I think we're near Eagle, near the UCI headquarters. They go right and they go up again. And they do the, instead of using the motorway, they go and do this, this uh, heart climb descent. Then after that, pancake flat for oh, 24. Part of 25 is a decent amount. And then they do Crans Montagna, 13K, 7.5%. This is the hardest stage parkour I can remember on paper for a long time given that i'm 12 years old that's not a long period of time but it is this is ridiculously hard benji 5200 meters climbing altitude this could be a cracker yes certainly the first climb being the chima copy of this race the highest point of the giro 2023 that grand saint bernard climbs so many kilometers i think that first climb the grand saint bernard is more the attrition climb at the start of the race like getting those kilometers in those altitude kilometers in that make every rider a tiny bit weaker before that they hit that quad occur which is in my opinion the most difficult climb in this giro perhaps i don't know it might be i haven't decided yet but 15.5 What's sorry? You can kill a man on that climb. Yeah, I fear so as well. And Crans Montana, like you mentioned, after that 24-kilometer flat valley, I will say when it comes to tactics, if I look at this parkour, there are options here. Now, for a move early on in the stage to occur, I do believe that you need satellite riders up the road. But it's, it's kind of difficult to see how easy it is for a satellite rider to get in the breakaway on a parkour like this. Because I'd say... If you want to attack early on this race, it's not on the San Bernard, it's at the top of the Quadricur because that's the steepest spot of that Quadricur after a really hard climb. But if you do that, you're going to be left with the best riders in GC because this is a very difficult climb. But if you attack there, what are you going to do? Base the entire valley of 24 kilometers with a group of people? So you need a rider in the breakaway to be able to have an engine on the flat afterwards. Now, there's so much climbing that could the break already be caught at this point? Or do you think that yeah. they will have a significant gap on the San Bernard already, like we saw on that, was it the Alpe, Alpe di Mota stage or whatever stage 
in 2021 where Caruso and Bardet attacked early and then we had Vervake and Visconti working in the breakaway. There was a, a significant gap still where people could help them out or is that not possible on this stage? Well, yeah, the problem is the flat at the start, 60Ks before the first climb starts. The break's got to go in the first 15Ks virtually uncontested, I think, to then be allowed to build up a huge advantage. Uh, teams who have – you need a rider of serious quality. You can't you can't just be like, oh, let's get our you know, standard entry domestique and he can pull the flat after the Heart Hill – Damien Housen. Pardon? Damien Housen. Uh, he's on my flight this morning, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty sure it was him. Um, we had the mask on. Um, who's he pulling for? I, I was just saying like a standard domestique. Oh, so I thought you meant, yeah. yeah. Whereas <laughs> I'm thinking like Mark Soler can do this. Yeah. Soler, despite like being hit with a cloak of invisibility when Roglic attacked on Telegraph, when he was in the group <laughs> before Galibia, he was strong physically. On Galibia, I think, or out to high altitude, steady climbs, he's been good in the past. He's the sort of guy you need. UAE can go crazy on this stage. Like, if they have Vine as rumoured, Almeida, Ayuso, Formolo, Soler, they can do some crazy things on this stage you need a rider to pull because if you drop a guy on that climb put a minute into him on Kratikur descend you're not caught on the descent and then you have a domestique who pulls you out another minute while or another 30 seconds or even holds it stable whilst that guy you've dropped is pulling in the wind himself before Montagna, you will take so much time on Montagna. So I think satellite riders are key. Which teams have the quality? Bora Hansgrohe have the quality in a Leonard Kamner is good enough to make it. Um, but I think this should be a really interesting stage. Do you worry, Benji, that it's too hard and they'll just wait for Montagna? I don't think so. I think Quadacur is hard enough that it's going to automatically make gaps if any team takes it up on that climb, which they should, because there's real opportunity there. If I look at this parkour, this is the 2022 Tour de France Alpe d'Huez stage, but on steroids, because the Quadacur adds so much more than the Quadafer did, for example, in that Tour de France stage. So I think this is really uh, one of the two queen stages I see in the parkour of this Giro d'Italia, if not the queen stage of this Giro d'Italia, because differences are going to be made here, but hopefully the Giro is not decided after this, this stage. Is there anything more uh, you want to add here? Uh, do we see it? What? The stage? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't give those ideas in my head, my friend. <laughs> there might be snow, but come on. Give the thing us the is, that's the thing, right? You want sort of cold, wet weather because the gaps and the carnage and the hist history and, you know, the strongest survive, etc. But then it means you don't see the stage. So <laughs> um, I'm kind of not hoping for that. And I think we'll, should be decent gaps here. Uh, I think even a poll, I'm in his biggest, no, one of his biggest sort of, um, what's the people in college sports boosters. We've not seen him on a stage like this. Perform yet? That doesn't mean he won't. 
but the Vuelta had nothing like this, yeah. nothing close. And so this is a big test if he does the Giro. How does he perform on a stage like this? Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um, hopefully it's not like the Fadaya stage. I think it won't be because, as Benji said, the hardest climb is the second last one, not the last 5Ks like in that Fadaya stage 20. But yeah, that's all i got to say on this stage. Can't wait to see it. I can't wait either. What a stage I'm looking forward to. Hopefully we see it. Hopefully they show it. Sierre to Cassano Maniago is the next stage, which is a uh, sprint stage. But once again, Giro style sprinkled with a bit of a action potentially at the start that could make it harder for the sprinters. Like if you're a versatile sprinter, you want to punch Venny in the face after you see it as Giro parkour, because there's so many stages that are like, you can have the sprint. If you survive 3,000 meters of altitude, and on this stage, it comes in the form of a major climb in the first half of the race, but there's a solid 110 kilometers of flatness after that climb. So on paper, even if the climb is like, I think, 19 kilometers long or something at 6%, it's still going to be enough 110 kilometers in my eyes to, to be able to reformat the peloton again and have a proper bunch print afterward. There's some undulation in the in the last 20 kilometers, but I still see a sprint happening here. Do you see it as well? Which was the, the Vuelta had exactly the same climb, right? Where Pedersen made trek pace this year. It was a 20k, 6% climb. It was a little bit closer to the finish. And I can't remember whether the break actually won. I think it might have. The trek just couldn't catch up to it. Um, I think this is, it again, depends. Like 20, you don't under, 20k, 6.6%. So 2,000 meters, even though it is 100 k's or whatever, 150 k's from the finish, it's really hard. And for the stage they just had before, I wouldn't be surprised if a break won this stage, actually, if yeah. the, the domestiques are flogged from the stage before. It's certainly a possibility. So I think it's – I like it. I, I prefer it compared to a, a pure bunch sprint. Anyway, the last stage before the second rest day, we are now in, just to, sorry, remind people of where we are, we came back into Italy, the what stage before started in Switzerland. Um, we are north of Milan, near the lakes region, and then we go into them, uh, finishing in Bergamo. This is from Sereno to Bergamo. It has 3,700 meters of climbing in 192 Ks. Not easy. Again, it is... It's like a little Lombardia light. There's 12Ks, 8%, 12Ks, 5%, 10.8Ks, 6% descent. But that's cresting 30Ks from the finish. And then after that, there's sort of just punchy climbs, 1.3Ks, 7%. I think this is break. I, I just don't see how this isn't break. And it's Covey, Betio, you name it, sort of guys again. Powerless. You said it right. Lombardia light because I think this is exactly the climbs that we saw in the 2021 Lombardia, Silvino climb and so forth. I vaguely recall that at least then Volcava. But I agree, this is a straight up breakaway stage. It reminds me of the Foix stage in the Tour de France. And I, um, I think Piccolo it's Piccolo wins. Piccolo wins? Andrea Piccolo? Yeah. Okay. I actually uh, believe that's a good take on this one. It's possible that he can win this. I'm also looking at that kind of rider or I'd like to see a, a free Maduas, but he's going to be a domestique at the Tour de France again, unfortunately. So imagine Asher. if Maduas is free on this stage. Maduas would be good, man. 
<laughs> I mean, he gets freedom in classics. Like, he's not completely enslaved. But, <laughs> yeah, FTJ can send an okay team. Volta, your boy Volta on it, Jumbo Visma, he's yep. got to be – he has to be contending for this stage win, Benji. Like, yep. if he gets a performance uplift and he's already kind of pretty good at these sort of stages – He's got to be really targeting this sort of stage, I think. But yeah, that's uh, stage 14 and uh, 15, sorry. Then there's the second last rest day before Benji. We kick into the third of the last week, week three. Yeah, another major mountain stage, a second major one, I'd argue, because Campo Imperatore is not a major one in my eyes, just a mountain stage. We had the one to Trans Montana, and now we've got on stage 16 the one to Monte Bondone. And while this parkour on paper, looks easier than a Kranz Montana, which I'd argue it still is, despite the fact that it is more altitude meters. I think 5,200 in the Kranz Montana stage, 5,650 in this stage, which is crazy, actually crazy. But lots of action can happen on this stage still. I'm a bit disappointed that all these mountain stages don't have a bit more like hills at the start to make the break formation phase a bit more intriguing. It's basically flat and then the mountains start about 40, 50 kilometers in, which might lead to a break formation phase of one hour, but I guess we'll figure it out once the race happens. First climb, Pasto Santa Barbara. This is about 60 kilometers into the start of the race. This is 12 kilometers at 8.4%. Then Matasone climb, which is basically... A uh, 11.4 kilometer climb at 5.6%. Fake news climb, though, because the first half is just harder, like 8 to 9%, while the second half has a, a kilometer that literally goes downhill. So that takes away a lot from the average of the climb. But if I have to be honest, I'm looking at the last two climbs as, I don't know, the second last climb is not the hardest climb. It's got a few flat kilometers in there as well. 17.5 kilometers, though, very long at 5.5% average. While the Monte Bondone climb, after a 10-kilometer valley, is the final climb, which is 20.3 kilometers at 6.7%, which is a hard climb. I will say, if anything early needs to happen on this stage, one, you need to have satellite riders even though the valleys between the climbs are not overly insane it's still useful to have them because the climbs have kilometers that are flatter like i said the matasone climb is flat near the top the serrada climb the second last one is flat in the middle and even on the monte bondone climb in the middle there's flat kilometers so it's useful to have a satellite rider up the road if you're a gc rider next to that i would say that the second last climb is not hard enough to use as a a jumping pad to attack on if you want to go early, is it not the early kilometers of the Matasone climb halfway to stage? And is anybody going to be insane enough to do that on this stage? I don't see it. I think this is going to be a shootout on the last 8Ks, yep. 8%, and people pace, and it's a watt per kilo test, and someone might lose 25, 35 seconds. I don't see huge gaps here. Now, I'm sure it's 5,600 meters of climbing. There could be bad weather. But it's low gradient climbing. It's not too high, high altitude. So there's not those difficulty factors which really can increase time gaps. So yeah, I don't I think this could be kind of like Fadia Benji, the Fadia stage, except without even as big a gaps, because it's not as hard. So I think, yeah, I think this could be like Blockhouse as well. Um I see Joel Almeida winning this. He'll be dropped at the start. There's 3Ks, 9% at the start. He'll be dropped, and he'll come back and win this. I'm telling you, 
Like that is what's going to happen. This is, is <laughs> look at this, a one-hour climb, right? With a steep bit of start, everyone will get too excited and he'll come back and win. Um, yep. Anyway, you, yeah, you, you know, think I'm not holding my hopes out for this stage. I agree with that. I think the breakaway opportunity is also there depending on who will control a stage like this. Even though the last climb is very long, which makes it harder for a breakaway to win, I still think the possibility is there because we're talking about 200-kilometer stages. There's like three to four 200-kilometer mountain stages in this Giro, which traditional cycling fans of the Giro, oh, they're getting really happy about this That's stage. That's why venues listen to all stakeholders. Shorter <laughs> transitions, but the trade-off is... I'm going to go to 200 kilometer high mountain stages. How do you like that? Um, so everyone's kind of got a little, little hat tip to them. Uh, stage 17, just quickly from Pergine, Valsugana to Kaorle. It's a transition stage. It has like 50 meters of elevation. It's downhill the whole stage. Uh, it's a sprint, 190 Ks, nothing really more to say about that. Whoever's still here from the sprinters, uh, this is why they're still here. It's a sprint stage. So that then takes us to stage 18. Yeah, Oderzo to Valdezoldo is the uh, 18th stage. It's the kind of last week stage where it looks like it could be a breakaway or a GC battle at the last climb. We've got a four climbs on the parkour, basically, but I'd argue that the last two are what matters for GC. The first one is what matters when it comes to the break formation. We start 30 kilometers into the stage with the Paso de la Crosetta, which is 13.5 at 7.1%. And then it's basically some ups and downs and ups and downs until we get to those final three climbs in the race, which, which I'd argue it's about uh, roughly 40 kilometers from the line that the Forcella Sibiana starts, which is 10 kilometers at 7.9%, roughly the second half of this climb being steep, also the first kilometer of it. So in the middle, it's kind of like there's a flat kilometer in there or like a 2% kilometer. Now we go downhill again and straight up start the uh, Koi climb, which is the first time we've ever had this one in the Giro d'Italia, if my memory serves me right, because I did do research on my plane that I didn't have going to uh, Oxford where I am right now. We've got 6.3 kilometers, 8.8%, and uh, two very steep kilometers in there, three very steep kilometers in there, 10 to 11 to 12%. So that Koi climb is uh, is the one where action needs to happen because then it's a two-kilometer descent and a two-kilometer climb to the line, and it's not a steep climb to the line. So do you agree that if GC action happens, it's on the second last climb, while most likely the breakaway in the stage? Breakaway, GC, you got to do nothing. <laughs> you don't do nothing on this stage. They aren't. You and, Sleep. And not. Like, when you you know, you look at the Giro this year, when there's harder stages to come in week three, this is the problem if you backload it. Um, now, maybe Bora could try. Like, it's similar. Like, you could line it up for Hindley, I guess. You could. It's a good stage to use a two-liter strategy because there's back-to-back climbs. There's steep sections to launch on those climbs. Uh, I'd like Sivakov and Rodriguez. On this stage, if Sivakov can hold on, I haven't mentioned Rodriguez, but I actually think this is quite a nice grand tour for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to do nothing because the next stage is uh, another absolutely disgusting one. Stage 19, if you haven't noticed, I'm doing the odds. Benji's doing the evens. Um, I think <laughs> he's jealous I got this one. Trecime di Lavaredo. 182 kilometers with 5,469 meters of climbing. This stage, I think, quick maths, has the most meters of climbing per kilometer of any of the stages in the Giro. And 
particularly when you consider that it does start sort of gently climbing uphill for 70Ks, but imperceptible, uh, I think, for the most part, falls flat. It's then 4Ks, 7%. This is all back-to-back now. We have no no flat for 100Ks, 4Ks, 7% descent, 13Ks, 6%, 10Ks, 9.3%. Paso Gel, that's where Bernal launched in uh, the Cortina D'Ampezzo stage, you know, the video, the unseen footage when the camera shut out, descent, then Trecimi, it's a stepped climb, 8Ks, 7.2%. Then there's a ramp, 1K, 11%. There's two descents in it. Then 9Ks, 7.1% to finish, Benji. I think this stage is why they do nothing on the stage before, and I think there could be carnage on this stage from Paso Jao. Yeah, I think so as well. This is a, a very brutal stage, and the fact that Paso Jao is the one that is that that climb before we get to the Passo Tre Croci and the Trecima de Lavaredo is one that most of the action will happen. If there's a crazy person in town, like a Bilbao or a Bardet, they might even try to attack in a descent of the Valparola, although I don't know how how like um, uh, technical the word well, <laughs> technical was the word I was looking for. How technical the descent is of the Valparolo and the Jao, I don't know necessarily uh, which ja- one they're going to attack on. It was wet, but Bardet beat everybody. He gained a lot of time in the 2021 descent, I think yeah. it was. So you can come back if you're a good descender. I do see a possibility where Bardet already goes at the top of the Valparolo because it's also steep there and tries to benefit from the fact that he can gain a, a descent advantage on others before he gets to the Jao, for example, because climbing-wise, he might lose out with some other riders in the peloton but this is indeed one of those stages where we look at the parkour and we say this is one of the bigger mountain stages of the year it's together with the Crans montana stage the stage i'm mostly looking forward to in this grand tour also because trecime de lavaredo that final climb it's 9.5 kilometers at seven percent that's the the part i'm also scared about because will riders be so scared of that last climb that they won't do anything early i think the stage is too hard before trecime to not do anything before Trecime. I think action will occur on the Jao and so forth because it's hard enough to do that compared to in the Fedile stage last year, for example, or 2022, the Fedile stage at the end of the Giro, there was lesser climbs before the Fedile. Here it looks like the Jao is hard before this climb at the end. So I'd argue that in this sense, we will see earlier action than we did in that uh, Fedile stage in the Giro 2022. And what's the expected race situation, right? It's yeah. let's let's say take what's expected. An even a pole or a Thomas type character in good form of their Vuelta or Tour shape. They take a boatload of time in the TTs. They're pretty difficult to drop. Maybe you take a minute on stage thirteen, which is a lot, but you're gonna be at a you're counting in the TT to come, the next stage. If you're Lander, you're Hindley. Your uh, Rodriguez good TT still losing time. A so still losing time. You, you got to make four minutes up somewhere. So you're not making four minutes up on Trechime de Lavaredo at the end because I agree it looks like Fadia right. It goes up maybe even a hundred meters higher in altitude. It's got fourteen percent. The last twenty minutes is hard, but you can't make four minutes there. Hindley was on the same time as Carapaz, just behind. Yep. So if we have the expected race situation, which we hope, it will force the poor TT strong climbers, if they haven't done it already, to attack on Paso Jao or UAE. And as well, 
we will see uh, someone like Hugh Carthy, Louis Menkes. This is the stage to move from eighth on GC to fifth to fourth. You can really try it on this stage. Uh, O'Connor, I'd like to see him do the Giro. Um, maybe I don't because there's a lot of TTKs and, yeah, maybe that's just not correct what I just said. Um, but, yeah, I think this could be I, – I think I think Paso Giao to kick off. It has to. I uh, I agree with that. I think this is a, a pretty fantastic stage in the way you said it. Like, we will have such a grand tour where the time trial focus of GC riders will gain them an advantage, and then we've got the climbers that are trying to kick back in this in this last week, and this stage is the example of that, where the climbers can do damage and most likely will do damage on, on some shape or form. I'm really curious, like, one would argue, we can talk about it a bit later after going through the stages, but I'm really curious, like, what would an MQ Avenipool be able to survive on a stage like this? Because we have not seen him take on a stage as difficult as this or as difficult as the, for example, Kranz Montana stage. So those are some intriguing aspects to why I would like to see an MQ Duty Giro, for example. But let's jump away from this major stage for a second, because I've got another major stage to come up, and it's the Tarvisio uh, to Monte Lusari stage stage 20 a mountain time trial and it's an 18.3 kilometer <laughs> itt similar length to the first time trial in this Giro, but the first 11 kilometers is flat the last well then after that 11 kilometers flat we've got the monte lusari 7.1 kilometers at 12.2 percent up to 22 percent so well there are some rumors that this was an unpaved road but apparently according to the technical info on the Giro website it says that the first eight kilometers of the climbing side of this time trial is on concrete paved, paved road. So it has to be. It's mad if it's unpaved. Like it, 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 it will be shit. It will be shit, but it will be not gravel, surely. <laughs> <Possibly>. <laughs> it will be those paves. This is I, like um, um Yeah. You tweeted Tom Dumoulin still does this on a TT bike. <laughs> and then Pagatcha do you know five watts per kilo be like, how do you go faster than me? Um <laughs> This is bordering ridiculous. Like, is <laughs> what is this? Sorry again. Let me check. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Is this is it 4.7, legal? 4.7K is 15%. Now, listen, I know there's a supply shortage due to COVID of equipment, but mechanics, teams, if I see, okay, if you, don't, if you can't be bothered changing your sprinter's cassette and you say walk up at Chief <laughs> or grind up at whatever, if you have a GC guy and I see a GC guy going at 40 RPM, take a look at yourself in the mirror. You've been put on notice. You've got six months. Get them a mountain bike cassette um, or whatever it takes. There will be a bike change at the bottom. I don't know if they'll have a zone for it. They'll have to. But uh, can Folifarov, is he retired or can he win this still? <laughs> this is retired. <laughs> Can someone give Folifarov a 10-day contract <laughs> for this, this TT? I reckon, like, this is Prairies was hard, so I think Remco would clean this TT up still, frankly, like, even with the climb. Like, let's be honest about it. If we see this parkour, it's so damn ridiculously hard that if Bora sent Kion Eitebrooks, it's literally child abuse. So I, I, it's <laughs> I'd, send him. I'd send him to do all three Grand Tours next year. <laughs> Well, that would be a bit harsh well, as well. He's, he's good. <laughs> yeah, but not for three Grand Tours. It's for it's like a second year in World Tour, perhaps. But I agree Isn't when this it comes for to... Hindley? Oh, sorry? 
third week Giro Hindley. Isn't this the perfect TT he could have hoped for? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of this is like GC rider territory. This is not a time trial for the Filippo Ganas of the world. Let's be clear about that. We look at the flat 11 kilometers and we've got 11 kilometers where we've got a 14, 15 minute effort roughly. And then the climb itself is 30 to 35 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that. I think it's nah, pretty nah, long. Quicker than that. Oh, you mean the 7.1 Ks or the Monte Sari until the finish? Yeah, 30. It's going to be pretty tough, eh? And uh, that would also argue, like, obviously, a bike change at the foot of the Monte Lusari for GC riders is a must, in my opinion, because I think the TT bike is still an advantage for the 11 kilometers of flat before the climb. And the, using a TT bike afterwards is plain stupid. So <laughs> got nothing else to say about that. I don't need a MAV degree to figure out <laughs> whether a bike change is necessary on this one. But when it comes to bike change mechanics, like, you think it's better to change it just at the bottom of the climb when you're like on the climb itself or before the climb at high speed? Uh, nah, you got to be going. That's the thing, though. You don't want to start. You don't want to kick off again at like fifteen percent. You ideally want you ideally want the climb to start five hundred meters on the TT bike at five six percent. It slows you down, and then there's a flatter bit of like three four percent where you can change it where you're not having to come from fifty five k's to break to zero to then start again. Planche de Belfort kind of had that sort of zone. Um, this does not so difficult choices to be made. They'll have they'll have to set up a zone. Twenty two percent. That section needs to be the bike change zone. <laughs> Dude, that'd be like the Campanuts one. How many people won't be able to clip it in? Oh, this could be. Ugh. This will be scenes. I mean, last year we had the Fadia stage was the sort of crowning moment, and you know there was a change in the Malia Rosa. It wasn't actually the best stage. Like, let's be honest, it wasn't that great. Uh, TTs. I think they're trying to have their Planche de Belfie moment here. The Giro. I no. like it. It's different. People will talk about it. We'll be excited for it. Everyone will watch this ridiculous. I'll get some crazy thumbnails out of it. Oh no, I don't have Giro rides. Um, uh, well, some we'll get a crazy thumbnail out of it for the pod. <laughs> the pod <laughs> thumbnail, anyway. I, I think. I still think like Thomas Benji. This is the thing. Everyone, I think we find just Thomas. I still think I still don't think like Hindley, and I still don't see a lot of people putting a lot of time into Thomas on this. He's still going to take twenty five, a little bit on the eleven k's and the bit after. I think they're not going to take like three two minutes on him. I think so as well. Now Tour de Suisse Gashka, if he shows up on this stage and does a mountain time trial in the way that he did oh, at Tour yeah. de Suisse, oh, miles ahead of everybody, right? Nah, because I think and he actually did do good watts. That's the thing. He actually did. It wasn't like the Vlas of Romandy's Geshka. Yeah, it's really good this year. I don't know. This will be weird. Um, can't wait to watch it. Uh, the final <laughs> stage is a time trial. No, sorry. Is a the customary sprint. Yeah, no, not customary because they finished with a TT the last couple of years. So I'm talking yeah. nonsense. They are just copying the Tour de France uh, from Rome. It's finishing in Rome, not Milan. Um, how dangerous this sprint will be. I think I'm looking at the roads. They look like actual roads, but that will remain to be seen. Like they're, I don't know. So hopefully they're not too bad. Hopefully they're not going over tram lines. 115 Ks, yeah. I mean, are they, is it a procession? Are they going to do the, the procession? I think or are they going to yes. race the stage? I think it's going to be procession kind of stage. I 
I don't believe we'll see the GC riders attack here. I'm disappointing you already. I can see it in your eyes that you're, you've got tears rolling down your face that it's going to be a no, push but, No, but can, like, can a break go at the start? Yeah, Is that allowed? Yeah. Well, no, but that's not the, wow. what the procession. That's not what the procession in the tour stage is. At the start, not necessarily, but when all the activities at the start are ended, perhaps. I don't know if they've got champagne, Prosecco, perhaps, this time around. They but, will. They'll, have, they'll be handing him the huge magnum, yeah. the like, comedy Astoria No, no, no. Vinian <laughs> <laughs> finds another part of his body to injure <laughs> whilst in the points jersey. Um, he shoots the cork. It like, takes out a spoke of his own his teammate who then flats and then he goes, can't finish the stage, and Giulio Ciccone wins the points jersey. Astoria are happy. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is a sprint. Whoever's still left who can sprint. It'll be like Edward Turns wins this. Yeah, Bauhaus, yeah, that sort of guy. Um, anyway, that was the, the Giro Parkour. As you can probably tell, I'm a little bit, we're a little bit more excited for it than in previous years. I think if they can do it all, it's a really good route now. Listen, the riders make the route. If it's Carapaz, Hindley, Bardet, Lander, it could be a bit disappointing because none of them, are, they're all much of a muchness in TT and they're not chasing a top TT rider. And then that reduces the necessity to go long in those big mountain stages. They wait for the final climb. Maybe they won't because Henley proved that was a mistake this year and it's a little bit boring. Now, if we have a good TT GC rider like Aiden Paul Thomas, I think this could be a really, really good uh, Jira. So that right, brings me to my the big question, Benji. Should Remco Avenepoel ride the Giro d'Italia 2023? It's what he was supposed to be doing. It's part of his plan, pre-Vuelta. Lefebvre, I think, wants it. Don't know if RCS kick, kick in a little bit. Don't know if that price goes up with the world champ. Should he do this race or we can't say definitively until we see the tour route? I would argue I would start the discussion with the question is this a Giro d'Italia that after seeing the Vuelta Espana that Remco won is one where we shout, okay, Remco Evenepoel is going to win this parkour? And my answer to that is simple. No, he's not unbeatable on this parkour. The competition has grounds in the mountains in the last week to absolutely destroy Remco where possible. And that is where it also comes into mind that this is an extra challenge before he can take on a Tour de France in my eyes. Like... We've had the Vuelta where the last week, the Vuelta of 2022, the last week was not crazy hard. It was honestly the easiest last week I had seen in quite a bit in a Grand Tour with gradients that really fit him, ones that don't extend over the 10%, for example. So that's an aspect there that we need to consider that this is the opposite, where the final week is so important in trying to survive after gaining an advantage on the time trials. And that's the aspect to this Giro that is completely different to the Vuelta, where it is not the ideal parkour for him, where he will outshine everybody immediately. He needs to prove himself on stuff that he hasn't proven himself yet, which is the Kranz-Montana-like mountain stages, the Trecime di Lavaredos kind of mountain stages. Those are the ones where I don't have the full confidence in a Remco Evenepoel yet, but I'm curious to see what he can do on that, because I'm always curious to see riders extend expand their horizons and hopefully actually beat their potential expectations and do you believe that is the case the same as what i just said 
Yeah, it really, as you said, like you don't look at this route and it screams out, oh, this suits Remco loads. You'd be like, uh, yeah, there's some decent TTKs. One of them's uphill and there's a like three proper high mountain stages with altitude or 5,000 meters of climbing. So I think I'd wait for the tour. If it's a neutral, if it's like a normal traditional tour route, I'd send it to the tour. That being said, like when Thomas, uh, when Dumoulin fought Quintana in the Giro, we do need, we do need Thomas or Avenipole or Pagatch. Uh, well, Pagatch is not doing it. Uh, Roglic and Vingegaard shouldn't do it because it could rain and, they just should not do it. They should do the tour. So, yeah, Thomas, I think Thomas should do it, Benji. I think he's got unfinished biz- business with the uh, Giro. I think so as well. And I also honestly think that Remco also has unfinished business with the Giro as well. So they both have that. Remco just has more years to take revenge at this race. But I would also say that when we look at the Remco Evenpool, when we look at potential competition, let's say let's say UAE sends an Almeida again and a Soler and so forth, but doesn't send a user and a Pogacar, then an Evenpool has the possibility of taking home this Giro, for example. But if they start sending an Ayuso as well and they have a strong team block around them... I think they send Ayuso. If they have a really strong team around Ayuso, then Ayuso is a candidate that I might line up next to Evenepoel for this parkour because of the last week. But how much time do you think an Evenepoel can take on Ayuso in time trials? Because I'm looking at not a terrible time trial list as Ayuso, but not an amazing one either. So kind of average, two minutes, three minutes? Yeah, I think like Enric Maas level. Um, possibly, no, there's more upside there. He's young, so like you'd expect you know, a little bit of improvement in that from now to the Giro, whereas Mars is, he is where he is. Um, and he also was sick when he did the Vuelta TT this year, which can't be forgotten. I think um, Ayuso finished the Vuelta really strong. He would have won that last stage if UAE caught the break. Um, there's some punchy uphills that really suit him in this, in this Giro. I don't think he'll do the Tour. He didn't like the heat at the start of Welter. The Giro is cooler. I think there's a lot of reasons why he should do this Giro. I think I also want to add when it comes to Remco that we consider his team surrounding him as an important factor of sending him to the Tour de France, for example. And Jan Heert. I said when it comes to the Tour, like, is his team going to be strong enough to fight against a top Jumbo Visma and a top UAE at the Tour de France? I don't see Quickstep being able to do that as a block, as a team. But when I look at this Giro parkour, I also believe that a strong team is going to be important. Will Jan Heard be enough? Because like, Jan Heard is good, but we haven't seen him in that role proven yet. So I'd like to see that before we get to the Giro uh, to get that idea in front of I me. I think he's really good for these stages. Like I think these sort of stages are perfect for him. The, the, the proper mountain ones, not all mm-hmm. of them, obviously. Um, yeah, I think Jan, Jan here, if you sign him, the Giro yeah. fits him as a domestique. Van Wilder, maybe he wants nah. his own opportunities. Like, I, I don't think you don't need a super team like you do for the tour. Uh, that being said, because, like, I don't know, who are Vlasov and Hindley going to be one twoing and you need teammates to bring it back? Like, it's not as likely as, like, if Jonas and Roglic do the tour well. <laughs> you know what's going to ha- like what might happen as he's stronger and all this year. So I think his team is fine for the Giro. So maybe they want to get one year out of it. I don't know. I think Thomas should, it depends on the 
Tour de France parkour. It depends on what keeps him motivated, frankly, because he's yep. at the back end of his career. So I don't know what keeps him motivated. Uh, the Giro looks pretty good for him. Uh, Quintana, it looks good for. I would probably sign Quintana. I would sign Quintana on a discount right now because... Um, As a know. presenter of uh, of the Lantern Rouge YouTube channel. <laughs> 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 like the yeah. Colombian side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just create like, hey, no, I made a team for you because I thought I could get you at a discount because, you know, you got a pending Cass appeal. Um, you know, what Warren Buffett said, when there's fear in the market is when there's time to act. He probably didn't say those exact words, but I'd go Quintana now. Just, you know, he might win a stage from the break. I would uh, agree with you that, a Thomas should go to the Giro. And even a pool, I'd like to see him at the Giro personally. I think a lot of people don't want to see him at the Giro and want to see him at the Tour de France. I want to see him at the Giro because I see that gradual improvement from Velta, Giro, Turin. This is an extra challenge. It's not like this is just another B-Tech goal on the site. This is a real challenge like those Crans Montana and Trecimi de Lavaredo stages, proving that he can do that before he ventures into a Tour de France. I want to see that. But I have one more question for you. Should Wout van Aert be doing the Giro d'Italia 2023? I think he should. If he wants to win, work work from the back. So if the goal is to win Worlds, you shouldn't do the Tour. You should prep. Uh, well, Ranko won the Worlds after in the Welter, so, you know, whatever. But <laughs> you'd think you wouldn't do the Tour and then Worlds. Like Ganner, I don't think will do Tour Worlds. He'll do Giro Worlds. But then if you do the Giro, how does that pair with he can't he can't do omlope and e3 or he can't do omlope kerner and roubaix rvv and giro that's too long a peak right so he'd have to well, he just won omlope so that's not a big issue uh does he do strada probably like he needs to start his season pretty late Torino, then classics it's a weird mix it depends it's sort of a mixed to be honest like I was gonna say, you know, there's one opportunity if you want to have a real crack at GC to see where you can go in a Grand Tour GC, you know, is try it at the Giro. But then it's not the parkour for it. It's five thousand five hundred meter stages, three of them to altitude. Like the Vuelta was, yeah, there's prayers. Yeah, like yeah, but the Vuelta was the sort of one to try that as a heavier guy. So I think. He can win the points jersey. He can win loads of stages. He can wear the Malia Rosa for quite a while, I think. Is that is that appealing enough to him? Do Yumbo need him for the tour? Because, you know, yeah. how to cam the threat. Uh, Pagacha does not like Wout being up the road. That is clear. Like, yeah. it makes him, I think, he's thinking about it and it's influencing his, his decisions. So... Can Yamo even afford to have Van Aert do the Giro? Uh, I don't know. If it had been these TTKs, Benji, and not these hectic mountain stages maybe last year's, maybe. But to be honest, he hasn't even gone for GC in World Tour races since Torino last yeah. year, where he came second or third. So that would be where you'd start. Oh, agreed. But I also just have the feeling about Wout Van Aert, like we're talking about Worlds being a goal of him, but... I see Roubaix and RVV as the two biggest goals of yeah. the season still for Wout van Aert. And having that before the Giro, you can peak for Roubaix and RVV, but will you be able to keep that form into the Giro? Perhaps not. We saw Van der Poel not being at his best at the Giro, still being able to compete at the Giro. 
but uh, I find it hard to combine classics and Giro, and that's a recurring team with riders that they skip the Giro after doing the classics, for example, and then return to the Tour de France and then do Worlds afterwards. Now Worlds is in a different place, so I still think you can do Tour and Worlds with Worlds afterwards. It's close together to keep that form in there, but will you be tired from the Tour? Yes, you will. Uh, some riders handle that well, some riders will not handle that well, but my factor here is as well, the thing you said, I think Yumbo will need about Fanard in the Tour de France. Also, he can't base his whole season around the world's road race because he, he can't demand leadership. How can you base a lot of your season's decisions around a race where at best you're 50-50 co-leader with, with Remco next year? So you got to do what's best for you and probably yeah, run it back. Like Bonin was saying, he didn't win a monument. So RVV Roubaix, yep. Tour de France, <laughs> run it back. Go Worlds. Um, I do think Mads Pedersen should do the Giro. I really do. I think there's he won how he won what three Vuelta stages. He's won a Tour de France stage. I think he can win the points jersey at the Giro. I think he's got a really nice team with Kirsch. Bring Edward Turns for God's sake with um, Ciccone and the others that can do the climbing things. Um, <laughs> Juanpe. Juanpe has to Giro. Um, I think Pedersen should do it. He can win points jersey and at least two stages. Uh, and Philipson. Nah, Gros- Groves does the Giro, right? Yeah, I agree yeah. as well because yeah. Philipson is the higher up when it comes to Alpeson at the moment. Merlier's gone, so Groves takes the Giro is my take on that. Where Who does the Vuelta it depends afterwards eh, on what we've seen in the first two ground tours. If they both finish the first two ground tours, that's a take that we can have afterwards. But I agree with you on most of that. To be honest, I I just don't want to see Wout van Aert do the Giro. And I want to see it for the spectacle, but I feel like I want to see him do the classics at full fours. And like, like let's say when it comes to GC in the Giro, I think he can't do that because he needs to properly work for that and that would ruin his classics. I don't think yeah, he can combine <laughs> classics with exactly. GC. Giro. How the fuck can you lose four kilos or something to be like trying to get to this weight that is completely unsustainable because he's so tall and muscular, but you're doing that whilst like the same training period when <laughs> a use of the altitude, you're doing Roubaix. <laughs> Roubaix. Like, does you're right. When you put it like that, it doesn't make sense. Um yeah, yeah, I just I'd like to see him do a Paranese GC or something if it's a soft Paranese, <laughs> yes. you know, something like that is where to start with it. Um but yeah, any other I, I think there's does Demar return to the tour? We haven't spoken about FDJ. Does Thibaut? I think Thibaut Pino does the the Giro. I think he should. He can win a, a cool mountain stage. Um, did he do the tour, Pino? I think he did both. Oh, he the did. He couldn't get the, the break. Something he couldn't else get the break. as well. I don't remember. Yeah, he should do the Giro. Um, can David Godou Benji? Can he podium this Giro? No, because he's going to be forced to the tour anyway for sponsor purposes. So I'm not sure we even need to like discuss it too much. Like we've spoken about the riders that can go to this Giro, for example, but I'd like to talk a tiny bit more as the finish up of this podcast about the parkour. Like we've seen the mountain stages. We've seen what stages are going to be decisive. You've 
already said that the time trial stage are going to be the ones where the GC riders with time trial capabilities like an M. Quavenapool and a Gary and Thomas will gain time, while the mountain stage that come afterwards will, yeah, those time trial gaps initially will cause the purer climbers to get fire under their ass and actually start attacking on the pure mountain stages. So that's what's intriguing when it comes to the entertainment level of this Grand Tour. But I also want to add, does that not make the many, is this a sprint or breakaway stage? Is this a sprint or breakaway stage in the first 11 days? Tune out the entertainment levels in those early parts of the Giro, or do you think people will come back for the final week when it happens? I mean, the Giro is always five stages too long. Like, the it is like <laughs> those Hungarian stages. I we we had a great time. Listen, Sudi asked because we didn't have to do as much work or concentrate because <laughs> we were there. <laughs> but those Giro stages, they pissed about. <laughs> um, like th- that was unwatchable stuff. And then a lot of the so it just is what it is. Um, you know, as I said, my dream for cycling is Grand Tours being 12 stages split over four long weekends <laughs> of 12 stages. In, so, yeah, four Grand Depars. But, um, yeah, it just I, – I feel like that happened – did that happen a little bit this year? I don't know. Um, I think – I think it's a great – I think it's a really good parkour because, listen, if, if the riders don't turn up, that's a separate issue. Why aren't the riders turning up? Well, that's because of maybe how you've dealt with the rights and sponsor visibility and place on the calendar. That you can control in the short term a little bit less compared to the route, which I think is good. Offers a bit for TT, offers pure climbers a lot, offers strong team something. I think it's nice. Uh, so I'm going to give this route a nine. Ooh, la, 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 la. I think that's a, a good score, actually. I it's believe It's missing that this... a puncher's finish. Okay, I get that, Dick. I agree that it, it's missing a puncher's finish because the puncher stage and the race are the ones that might go to the breakaway, not necessarily yep. to the GC, like the, that Hungarian puncher stage between Binyam and Van der Poel where you and scrape the floor with a yeah. stage. That's the stage we're missing in this in this race, like the Agrigento stage that we had a few years ago. That you'll Exactly, they always have one like that. Exactly. It's missing this time around. That being said, the reason that I'm giving the score of 8.59, let's do 9. Nah, 8.5. I believe I'll feel too much the feeling of, oh, this stage is a bit boring when it comes to the the flatter sprint stages with like one mountain at the start. Will the break be caught? Will the sprinter survive? It's going to be repetitive throughout the first week of the Giro. That's one minus point. I think huge plus points are the major mountain stage of Crans Montana, Trichimo de Lavaredo, and also that, that mountain time trial. Oh, I'm fired up about it. I look forward to that day a lot. Also, the amount of time trial kilometers, I do like that because it gives that advantage to the GC riders with a TT capability and it forces the others to attack later on in the mountain. So I think that's a good dynamic and it is the opposite of a 2022 Giro where we had such a close GC battle for the first two weeks that it was so close in week three still. And now we will have proper gaps going in the first week already. And last part, there's limited amount of like iconic climbs in this, no? Like Kranz Montana, not the usual climb. We see in the Giro, it's in Switzerland, for example. Uh, San Bernard, that's not the climb we usually see all the time in in the, the Giro either, but we're looking at the likes of a Paso Jao, for example, as the one climb that returns so many times in the Giro. No Mortirolo, no Zoncolan, no whatever the fuck the other Gavia. climbs are in the Giro. Gavia, Stovia. for example. 
Stelvio, indeed. I'm missing the Stelvio. Come on, give me another Stelvio next oh, year. Oh, San Bernard. Nah, nah, it's not true. It's not nearly as hard as Stelvio. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that my score is still going to be uh, an 8.76 out of 10 because nah, we're we very do, specific mate, on this podcast. we don't do those decimals. It's <laughs> 0.5 increments. You like the buyer, the buyer from the block, the Danny guy who... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'll go over your head. You don't watch Australian real estate oh. reality TV, Benji. 8.5 nah. then. Okay. Um, and, I think um, Jay Vine podiums this year are easily. Like, easily. It's not even... I, and he could win it too, to be honest. Like, a UAE will have a stacked team. I use, you pair it, you pair. I, I'm going to sound like Chris Collinsworth. Here's a guy. Here's a guy about a guy. Who wants to be a guy? Who wants to win the Giro? Well, Ayuso, Almeida, Pallon, Soler, Formolo, Covey, uh, Vine, if he goes to UAE, that could be a crazy team. And I think you look at these climbs, if he can replicate the Waspicular from the Vuelta on harder climbs, oh, consistent. now consistency, crashes, of course, all issues. But I think the cool suits him more. So I think UAE, anything less than if Avonapol does it or Thomas does it, sorry, if Avonapol does it, second's okay. If anything else, anything less than winning, I think is uh, not good enough for them, um, for UAE's goals. But the other two super teams, Benji, Ineos and Yumbo, what do you think they do? We've said no wow. No Carapaz is off to EF. Kelderman. Yeah. With like mixed with like uh, Cohen Bowman going for stages with Koi for sprints. Yes, Koi is a sprinter for that team because okay. if I'm Olaf Koi and I see that they're sending Wout van Aert to the Giro and they don't have a spot in the Tour de France team, I'm being sent, shipped off to the Vuelta. I'm going to ride for the entire year. So Koi needs to go to the Giro as a sprinter and they need to focus on him because there are sprinting opportunities, like eight potential sprint stages. Yeah. Let's say there's three or four that are risky. That's still four plain sprint stages that will go to sprinters where he can win a Grand Tour stage if he has a decent lead out. And I hope he has a decent lead out. I don't know who they're going to oh, send no, with you, him for You that. don't need the best lead out for the Giro, but he'll be all right. Timo Rosen and, you know, it'll be all right. He wins a stage. Yeah, I think he'd win a stage. I think that's what they'll... Okay, Kelderman, I think not bad. Yeah, and then he would domestique for the Tour Foss. if he makes that squad. Time nah. trials, not GC. Foss, I mean, yeah, he came second in Corona de Nation. Like, would you really send Foss to the Giro because yeah, he might win a TT domestique. in Worlds? I think you probably do, actually. Um, a mountain domestique. No, you get, mate, he got dropped on like 5K, 5% the other day after winning Worlds. It's like, I'm not, I'm just saying, like, it's not, I know his goals, it just, it's not happening. Like, these kind of. His climbs are serious. Volta will do the Giro. Yeah, he will do it. Uh, Ineos Benji. I have actually no idea what they're going to do. Ganner, of course, is going. You could send Viviani, except he's been terrible. Um, you could send Hater because theoretically, given you extend who had him a lot of money, he should be good at the versatile sprint stages. You've and the got time Rodriguez, Sivakov, and the time trial. Is it just Thomas? I think Thomas should go to the Giro. I think it's a good race for him to go to. I think the time trial kilometers fit. The climbing, like, 
Thomas has a joker, so let's be honest about it. And I hope that he breaks it in the final parts of his career. And I would love to see him spicing up the GC battle at the Giro because those are big names that will also encourage the entertainment. So that's also, for me as a viewer, I want to see that. From him as a rider, like, I think it's worth going there while Carlos Rodriguez takes on the Tour de France, for example. And wherever Bernal goes, I don't have a clue. Eh? Like, I don't know if he's going to be good or not next season. So I hope he becomes decent and we see him in a Grand Tour again. But I wouldn't send him to the Giro. Because I don't know. It depends. Here, like le- I'd send Martinez with Thomas. Okay. I think I think if you're Ineos, if you're going to send Thomas to the Giro, you have to then make yep. that almost your strongest team for the year. Yeah. And then the tour is Pitcock and Hater and the British All Stars. Um, and you send the best team possible to the Giro with you know Martinez can be a super domestic, can be a GC threat himself. So. I think that's how you play it. Um, but yeah, that's the Jira route reaction. Incredibly long, but we know we're doing podcasts more infrequently at the moment, so we thought you wouldn't mind a longer podcast. Let us know if you liked it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed doing it, and we'll be back with our part two of the Cycling Men's Awards show in uh, start of next week. We'll re- be recording that at the end of this week. But thanks to Zwift, as always, for supporting the show and for your support. We'll see you later. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 